The Small Business Show, episode 126 for Wednesday, July 5th, 2017. And welcome to the Small Business Show here at businessshow.co, the show by, for, and about small business owners here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And in the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm Shannon Jean. How are you, man? I'm good. Good. I I would say that I had a great 4th of July, but I frankly have no idea because... Folks, we're recording this one in a <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> one thing I know for sure, I'm loving the new uh, intro and outro music. I think yeah. it uh, gets me a little uh, jacked up before we start, which is really cool. And I've even had some people have seen some folks commenting yeah. in the uh, small business support group. So, uh, you know, tell us what you think over at businessshow.co slash Facebook. That'll redirect you right over there. So we, uh, we'd love to hear your comments, folks. That's the, the, I, I heard a comment today um, called your return on energy that you put into a project. And, uh, I thought that was so great because, you know, and and actually it was in the podcasting, uh, uh, group that you know we're in on Facebook yeah. and we talk all about pos- podcasting and you know people struggle to make a living uh, podcasting and you know get sponsors and all this kind of stuff it's a long haul yep. but we've talked about it before here on the show you know what you get out of it is very different than a monetary you know if you're not getting a monetary return and right I well even in it, addition you know. to that right I mean it's yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and and someone made the comment, oh, you know, your return on energy should really be focused more on your uh, your broader, um, uh, you know, what you're doing for your business or your personal brand or this kind of thing. It's just one part of the uh, way you can market yourself or your company, right. that kind of thing, which I thought was, you know, it's great. And, and I just love that ROE, return on energy. I it was like cool. that. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. It's yeah, because nice. there, there, is, there is a lot, of, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Wednesdays, I'm always, uh, go ahead. Well, no, it's especially as a small business owner. I mean, it, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, you talk about return on investment. Well, as a small business owner, especially if you're starting something out, you might be your only investor, but you might not have a lot to invest. So it might be like when we started Mac Observer, that was the, my grand sum total invested in that business was five grand. OK. Yeah. And it actually turned out to be less than that because the guy we bought the company from didn't own the domain Webintosh that. Uh, oh, that, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, it's fine, you know, but whatever. So I, I think we lowered the purchase price because why not? Um, yeah. yeah. So so it wasn't a huge monetary investment, but it took a huge amount of energy or as is sometimes called sweat equity. Right. That's right. Yes. But, but that's really what we're talking about here is is there is it's a very real thing and it can be a very valuable thing. Uh, and and a very quantifiable thing. So yeah, you want to put that that effort. Yeah, because if if you can't find, I mean, you know, I've uh, I look at my life in a couple different ways. You know, you could say I've always been chasing. I, I, I joke that I've always been chasing hundred dollar bills, but actually, uh, I try to flip it and say, you know, they've been chasing me because. I'm always looking for stuff that has a high return on my energy. And I, you know, I want to do things that I enjoy and can be passionate about. And if you, you know, do that and you have something going on that you can drive yourself, not always money. I found that the money typically will follow you. It it may take a long time, but eventually uh, it, it, it can pay off, but you got to power through it. You got to be able to, you know, tell yourself, Oh, this is why I'm doing this. And this is what I get out of it. So, 
Yep. Yeah, it's cool. Bullheaded persistence. That's yeah. the key, man. You got to grind it out. You got to grind it out. That's yeah. uh, sometimes. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's how it yeah. goes. I always, I always talk about that in my kids. So, yeah. but hey, you know, one of the things that we, we talk about success here a lot, we, we talk about failures and mistakes, but I, I found this, uh, you know, I think really uh, interesting uh article up on uh, smallbusinesstrends.com, an infographic they posted, uh, you know, all about why small businesses fail. And they did a study or a study done this past year. And I thought we'd take a few minutes and talk about it. And, you know, I'd love to get your feedback, Dave, on yeah, man. some of these statistics and if you agree with them. And uh, I think it's cool. Cool. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd be good. Yeah. The, the, uh, what was the, uh, the, the big takeaway or the title of the article was, was half of all small businesses fail by year five. Yeah, that's brutal. That's brutal. And it sounds, you know, it sounds worse than the restaurant business. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is they mentioned the restaurant business yeah. down towards the bottom as one of the most misunderstood. It said, you know, restaurants do not fail more than other businesses. But you seem to, or out here anyway, we seem to uh, see them in and out all the time. Uh, and, and, you know, you would think, but maybe just because they're more high profile. They're, yeah, they're public. They have yeah. the only way that they can bring customers in i mean it, it, they have to market generally to the public right yeah. it, it's not like oh it can go to a segment of the public that you and i might not be aware of because we're not the target well that's we right all eat so we're all yeah, aware of yeah. restaurant failures that's interesting yeah it is and and one of the things i i really thought was uh timely is that last week or you know when we did the last show in the small business show, we had Chase and TJ on from uh, GoPro uh, VR or, yeah. you know, GovRed. Uh, and, and they were talking all about VR and we were talking about what was a mistake or things. And, and they made the comment, you know, don't make assumptions that your customers are going to like your product. And here on this infographic, you know, they come out 42% of small businesses fail because there's no market for their product or service. That's 42%. Huge. Yeah. Like I mean, I've, it, I've screwed some things up uh, over the years, <laughs> but I, I don't, I really don't think I've ever tried to sell something that people weren't interested in buying. Well, not for long. No. Well, that's, so, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. And, and even these, you know, like these guys we just had on, they were talking about how they started in one direction, but quickly pivoted into doing something different. Mm. And it seems to me that you could probably rephrase that at 42% of small businesses fail because they didn't adapt their service or their product to yeah. what their customers wanted. If right? you're not adapting, you're failing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I and, think so. I mean, it, you, I think so. Yeah. 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 Even if adapting means, OK, I'm aware of everything that's going on. And our change today is that we're not making a change. Right. Like we're, we're going to yep. do the same thing because that worked. I, I consider that, you know, I mean, you it has to be. Um, what do they say for I, I hate to conflate these two things together, but th there's a phrase that they use for um, men with prostate cancer now that. Uh -oh. uh, well, no, the, a treatment that oh, they yes. use that. um it, they, they call active surveillance. Now, oh. I don't know the difference between active and passive surveillance, but it's essentially we're not going to to, to treat you, but we're going to really watch uh, to make yeah, sure that yeah. like we are routinely deciding not to treat you. And that's sort of the thing you have to do with your business, too, is even if the assumption is, yeah, it's all going to work. Well, OK, that's great. I mean, it means you've you know made the right choices throughout the path, but. Keep going with that, like keep looking and making sure that you want to choose because every day you choose the path that your business is taking. You got it. And yeah. and if you do that tacitly, 
that's fine, but you should be aware of that you are making a choice every single day. Yeah, and and that adapting is, uh, you know, quite possibly the. I mean, one of the most critical things that you have to do, and look at your results. And you know, what is it? The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Well. That's exactly right. If if you yeah. are seeing things going a certain way in your business and it's not the way you want it to go, you better change or you, you just are not going to have the business. Yeah. Um, so it, that analyzing things, even if you're not that great, like I'm not that great at the analytics and the real deep data dive, but what I'm really good at is my gut instinct and looking at general uh, uh, results and knowing that, oh, you know what? That that's not a good business for us to be in anymore. Right, and and and, and adjusting, and you know, we've my, my main company's always been in technology, but within that realm, we've done dozens and dozens of different things over the years. As one thing stopped generating revenue, we had to adapt and and you know find something new. And twenty three years later, we are still doing that same thing all yeah. the time. So all let me time. let me ask you a, a question about that. You, you know, it's it's. I'll say it's easier to adapt when it's just you versus you and a team of employees. I don't actually know that to be true, Um, but and that might not be uh, correct. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that is true. No, but I will say that adapting a an entire team is non-trivial. So let's let's just separate the two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How do you? um, How do you? Like what's what's your strategy for for those kinds of big changes? How do you bring those up to your team? How do you convince everybody that we're going to do this? Because telling them to do it and then actually getting them to do it and commit yep. to it are two different things. I think it's it's there's two critical parts to it. It's giving your employees or team members, however you know you're looking at partners, autonomy to where they never feel like they're just doing what you're telling them to do. Yeah. You know, you're empowering them. Look, this is our business. This is the work that has to get done. You, you, you know, go ahead. You, you're hired because you have certain skills. Do it. I, I don't want to come check that. That's one part. But the other part is that from day one, it's building this culture that is always looking at new things. And with technology, you know, we've kind of forced into it, right? You, you know, something becomes obsolete. Uh, and, but we always talk about it. So, you know, we used to have a huge business in repairing, uh, uh, you know, titanium hinges on power books. I mean, it, it sounds kind of funny, but we did millions of dollars in hinge repairs. Thank you, Apple. Sure. Uh, and, and, but we always knew from, you know, the get go. Okay. We have to now ride this as long as we can. Uh, we, we want to do the tooling and build our own hinge. That's much, you know, the, the, the hinge that Apple was using was made of pot metal and it just broke all the time. Uh, and so we built our own. It's like, okay, partnered with another company and put together, but you know, uh, 18 months into it, you know, they're going to discontinue that laptop or build a new version that has that thing. So at some point you're already talking about changing. What's the next thing? Oh, can Uh, we, can we do this? What, what else can we fix? What else is this? And so, uh, you're in our case, we were kind of forced to do it. And I think that, uh, your comment earlier, having your team always thinking like that, that actually helps you make those changes and observations, um, 
that maybe you would miss if you were all by yourself, you know, if you were by yourself. Right. Oh, um, no, that's true. Having having yeah. people see that. It, well, it, it, yeah, you're talking about building a culture of change. Yes, it is. It is all about change. And I always make this comment. It sounds kind of cliche, but when we ever have our staff meetings, I'd say, hey, the only constant here is change. And we the the uh, and I would follow and say the businesses that are generating revenue for us today will not be generating revenue for us in eighteen to twenty four months. So we we either need to be ready to adapt into new versions of this or find you know other ways that we're going to make uh, revenue on the, uh, on this stuff. Yeah. And so from the from everybody from a customer service person to a technician to the bookkeeper, we've just always done that. Um, out of necessity, I, right. I, I can't take credit, you know, for no, it. No, it's no, just no. Like, it's, hey, it's survival. Yeah, it is survival. And yeah. I mean, I, I can take you back to where we used to sell. I mean, I used to count our revenue in the number of floppy drives that we sold. And I'm really dating myself, but you know, kids, w- ask it, your parents. <laughs> that's right, and and you know that that was one of the best products ever because it got out of alignment and it, and it had all these wonky Rube Goldberg is, you know, moving parts inside uh, and it was fantastic. So, you know, we, we built a whole division out of floppy drives, alignment, repair, replacement, all that kind of stuff. But you know, again, it's coming, you know, then the CD right. drive and the super drive and all that stuff. So um, getting that culture of change is, I think is really critical for your success. I, yeah. Okay. So, all right. And now I'm going to, I'm going to shift into what I think is actually, it is another thing on the list, but I'm going to do it by asking you a question on the, on the list. It's that 23% don't have the right team. So my question is, and that that is not wrong. In fact, I'm surprised that that number is as low as it is. Yeah. When you have this culture of change, there will be people that don't, um, that, that might have great skills to do the things you need them to do and all of that stuff. And then come with the right pedigree and perhaps even perform well for a while. But when it comes time to change, they dig in their heels. Even, uh, you know, I mean, it's often I've seen this with people and yeah. we've had to let yep. them go. But, you know, my my I guess my question for you is how do you I and I assume you deal with that the same way by letting them go. Or do you think you have you found ways to make people loosen up? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, uh, Steve Jobs, you know, he's famously said, you know, A players hire A players yeah, and, and B players hire C players. Yes. And I always refer to that because, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to think I'm an A player, but you know, a lot of times I'm a B player. And, and so, uh, uh knowing that I, I think there are places on your team for for C players, if they can just, if they're reliable yeah, and they can just, we talked about earlier, grinding it out, if they show up and there's just work in front of them and they do the work. However, if they can't make that adaptation to the next thing, you can't, you can't keep them. And, and in our case, we've had it, um, a, a big one for us was, you know, the microelectronics, you know, moving from desktops that were giant and printers and even monitors that we worked on and refurbished and, and repaired to iPads and iPhones or, you know, first to laptops and then iPads and iPhones. And I mean, unfortunately, we just we had some techs that just couldn't do it and came up. It's like, I can't do it. My fingers are too small or, or too big yeah. or I can't do this. So in the beginning, I would say, okay, we got, we have enough business that we're going to, we'll let you f- focus on this part of the business that you're comfortable with. But I would say, 
when the time comes that there's not enough of that business left, um, you, you know, we're going to have to make some have to make some decisions. Yeah. 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 That, 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 I mean, it makes sense. It's just how it yeah. goes. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I would say same with with, you know, you. I mean, I'd ask you that question with your guys out there selling, you know, ads and different things as as things have shifted away from like display ads as much yeah. and moved into other areas. Have you had the same thing where, you know, some of them adapt well and some of them don't? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and it's true, not just of of salespeople, but of writers that we've had at, at, at TMO. And I mean, it's the whole it's anything. It's like, yeah, it, this business will not be the same. And, you know, 18 to 24 months is probably a little tight for uh, for our businesses. It's more like in five years, you know, yeah. we kind of we kind of have five years cycles uh, for. But that's the, the key, right, is identifying what your cycles are and then being ready for them uh, and hopefully being proactive about them. But, yeah, we've definitely had to let salespeople go. We've had to let writers go. Because if you're not, yeah. if you're not cutting it in today, I don't care. I mean, I do care that you were doing great things for us no, 10 sure. years ago. Right. And yeah. I appreciate that, but that's yes. not a reason I, like I can't afford to keep you no. on board anymore. And yeah. And, and, and I think the, the best piece of advice I would give, you know, business owner that's going through this kind of thing is you really just need to be transparent about it to the employee yeah. with plenty of lead time. If you start seeing the writing on the wall or your, your whole team is talking about, Hey, you know, we're not going to do this very much longer. And you have one person or two, you know, whatever, a couple of people that are really focused on this part and that's all they want to do you have to make that you know make those comments to them it's like hey guys now's the time what do you need to be trained what do you need this what how, how do you need to what tools do you need to become comfortable with this change that is coming so that they understand that it's not just you as the business owner that is hey this is i'm i'm making this decision no the market is making this decision uh. and i'm trying to give you as much lead time, you know, so in our case, when we had these, some of these guys that could not make the transition from Mac technician to iOS, and I just kept telling them, okay, it, no problem, because we're loaded with Mac repairs, but when the iOS repairs start, you know, outpacing, uh, you know, this was years ago, start yeah. outpacing the number of Macs that come in. Yeah, again, kids, ask your parents about a time when, when Macs were more popular than iPhones and iPods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you would just tell them, hey, okay, uh, but eventually, if, if, if there's not enough of that work, I, I have nothing for you to do. And then I, it, it just came down to that, where it's like, hey, call in. Yeah. Because if you can't fix tablets and, and phones, I don't have enough work because these guys can do both, right? They right. can fix laptops, oh, yeah. tablets, phones, whatever. So totally. you know, it's more flexible. Yeah. And so, and again, some guys, some, some people, the technicians got with it and others, others didn't. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast and you and I, you know, came up with this concept was that, you know, uh, 99.7% of all businesses in the U S are small, you know, that's less than a hundred employees. You know, almost 30 million, you know, businesses, but they're kind of, you know, not treated that great, I think, by. It's not uh, sexy. Yeah. I mean, it is sexy. to us. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we've made a living at it. Right. right. And, and, and right. done well. But, you know, it's not the startup Silicon Valley, you know, outside investor 
or possibly, you know, a, a lot of these folks, I would argue yeah, the 18 majority months of months to cash out kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a bootstrap mentality. It's I'm going to make it work. Yep. Um, you know, uh, and, and I, I really respect that. Um, and, and being able to talk about it and help people through that, I think is, is really valuable, uh, and a great ROE. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, looking at this, one of the things that really saddens me is looking at this infographic, which we'll post up on the business show.co is out of the five places, the worst places to, to run a business, not just start one, but just to run it. The five worst places, four of them are in California. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, when I saw it, I'm like, was this only California yeah. businesses? And then I realized, no, Allentown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, that's, but like, that's, a, that's the anomaly, right? And it's it because, of, I mean, they, they say retail sector collapsed when big area employees left. Okay. Yes. So that's this classic, you know, uh, yes. blue collar town, big factories left, everybody else left with it. And who whoever remained had a problem. Yeah, so you got it. There's one thing about this chart that, um, you know, they list the, the I, I don't know if they're the top five, but they list five reasons that businesses fail. Yep. And and those reasons are in no particular order. Uh, they run out of cash. They don't have the right team. They're outcompeted. No market need for products or services, or they experience cash flow problems. Now, what I hear from people who have businesses that, that have failed is that, Oh yeah, we just couldn't make it work. We were out competed. Uh, what you never hear from people is we had cash flow problems. Now, 82% of the businesses that failed failed because not because they were out competed, but because they experienced cash flow problems and the businesses that failed because they were out competed 19%. Yeah. Every other reason on the list, don't have the team, ran out of cash, no market for the product or service, and you experience cash flow problems. All four of those, I feel like, are under your control. That's not someone else doing it better than you. That's right. you not doing enough to actually just sustain the foundation of your business. And I, I know I'm, I'm sounding a little preachy here, but it, it what this th – to me, this is this is actually empowering because it means – I don't have to worry about that guy over there beating me. That's I right. need to worry about me beating me. And guess what? I can control me. Well, and, and that's often what happens, you know, in, in the book, we often cite here, you know, rework. Um, but the, the guys from 37 Signals, one of the big book. things, huh. it, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one of their big uh, takeaways in that book is don't worry about your competition. You know, you're going to screw it up before they are. Right. Yeah. As, as this, uh, you know, report would would attest to. And, and it, I, I firmly believe that is the case. Um, you know, if you're just focused, on, I'm sure you have to be competitive, but focus. Focusing on what your competition is doing, I, I don't believe you need to focus on yourself yes. and and making your customer experience unbelievable. That is what is going to outlast anybody. You know, you're, you're the number one thing your your competitors are going to do is try to beat you on price. Let them, right. and you know, don't be the low price leader and and make that part of your message. You know, and and don't answer questions solely based on price because the customer needs to be educated about why you know uh, the the lowest price is not the best way to go yeah it's um, true and, and the cash flow problems i i you know i really agree with you know it's cash is king you know profits are are critically important but 
cash is more important. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah. If you, you run out of cash, you're done. I mean, you are just finished. I've, I've, and, had, and, you know. I've had businesses where I've looked back and, you know, over 12 months, it, it, like there were maybe two months that were profitable or something, right? Yeah, but sure. cash flow increased over those 12 months. And guess what? The business survived and thrived. That's it's right. It's like, okay. Because yep. with, with cash flowing, you can sort of tweak things a little to eke out those profits and make of it course. work the way you want it to work. But it, it like if you have a profit margin of 50%, but you only got a hundred bucks coming through, well, you know, yeah. I, I mean, if that's all you need from your business, great. But you know, that that's a place to start, but don't end yeah. there. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and you know, like you said, the, the, the P and L is this living, you know, the profit loss statement is this kind of this living document and you can go through and point at things each month that you'd be like, Oh, well, there's a extraordinary expense. That's not going to happen every month. We had to buy a new, whatever, you know, and forklift died. Exactly. Boom. Didn't yeah. make any money that month. No. But if you've got your cash flow coming in and you know, you're, you're getting paid on time, uh, and have enough work, you'll make it through those things. Um, but if the opposite happens and your, you know, your P and L looks fantastic, but you don't have any money to pay your bills. It doesn't matter. You, know, you can't pay your matter. bills with a P and L. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess some people can, they go to the bank and they get a loan, but banks are smarter yeah. than that nowadays. So, Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, it, banks usually don't want to loan you money when you need it. And, uh, you right. know, there's a lot, there, there's a lot of secondary places you can go for, for cash. You know, nowadays we've talked about some on the show, um, but you know, you're going to pay for it. It's, yeah. uh, you know, so, yeah. and you know, Talking about reasons they fail, you know, this one statistic, you know, 14% of small businesses fail because they ignore their customers. And I, I would say, I, I would think that number is probably higher um, and, and could probably be combined with the, um, you know, 42% fail because yeah. there's no market or product because they're not listening to their customers or communicating them and having a dialogue Um you know, your customers definitely want to hear from you. They don't want to be sold to over and over and over. You got to use that 80, 20 rule, but that 80% of the time, they just want to hear from you about what's going on and either in your business or, you know, maybe even blend your personal life with it as well, or your team members, you know, at the the guy's a small dog electronics, so I have a ton of respect for, you know, they have, they always they have a great newsletter, tens of thousands of people that subscribe and they, they do all kinds of stuff like, you know, costume things and Halloween and this and that. And, and that, those are great ways to connect with your customers and to build and, and to turn them into fans, I guess, uh, is, is the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Turning your customers into fans. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It yeah. Is. Yeah. Hey, so I had, um, I, I, before we go here, I had an experience this week buying a car and it, it's been one of the most bizarre things that I've gone through. Uh, <laughs> it worked out. I it, like, I couldn't possibly have planned it to work out this way. And I think okay. that's why it did. But I think there's a lesson for us business owners to learn here. So uh, we have been, uh, you know, I'll try to make this long story as short as possible. We've been sure. a, a three driver, two car household for the last 18 months, uh, which has worked out fine because I don't really ever need to go anywhere. My office is yeah. across the driveway from the house. It's no big deal. And so for the most part, my daughter and I you know, basically share a car and, and sure. you know, with some minor hiccups here and there, it's been it's really been truly fine. But we are about to become a four driver household. And so, uh, yes. yeah, there's just no way that that's going to cut it with two vehicles. And and so yeah. I was like, OK, fine, let's go get a car. And so 
Uh, you know, we we had lots of choice because we don't need another SUV in the house, even though we have a drummer, two drummers and a hockey player. We've got two SUVs. So it was like, great, we can get a four door car. We're all excited about getting a car. Of course, that leaves way too many options open. But uh, uh, yeah. but we narrowed it down and, and came down to a couple models. But but to, to cut to the chase, we basically decided that a Subaru Legacy is what we wanted to get. Oh, great. Yep, OK. Great. All wheel drive. Perfect. Yep. And uh, and we didn't want to buy something brand new. Uh, you know, we figured we'll get something a couple of years old and, and we'll be fine. Sure. But um, in the process. So I knew that there was one at the Subaru dealer near me uh, because my son and, and wife had kind of gone and looked at it. Even though they, they hadn't driven it. Um, I knew there was one there. And uh, and it turned out there was one at the, the local Volvo dealer. It actually showed up while we were at the Volvo dealer uh, to. um to, it was it was traded in while we were test driving a different car there and, and they knew we were going to go see the Subaru and, uh, up the street. And the guy said, you're not going to believe this, but this car was literally just dropped off as a trade in. We haven't even cleaned it. We haven't done anything to it. Uh, okay. But here's the but it's clean. I mean, it's fine. Sure. They're like, here, go drive it. You know, we'll test drive it. We'll, when you come back, I think we'll have a price and we'll we'll figure it out. So we drove it. We were like, yeah, this is the type of car we want. Great. Cool. Yep. And so uh, so we'll call it the Volvo car and the Subaru car, even though they're both the same exact model of car, because because I, I wound up pitting these two companies against each other without ever realizing it. Oh, yeah, I wasn't I, I, I just wanted to do this deal quick. I've got a lot going on. I didn't want to mess with like driving people crazy and driving myself crazy negotiating, even though normally I really enjoy that process with buying. A car. <laughs> yeah. So we got back from the test drive. We're like, yep. This car's great. It had uh, 35,000 miles on it. They said, uh, okay, we'll do it for you for 21.5. And I said, yep, that price is fine. Great. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and they said, okay, well, you know, but we don't really sure. I might be able to do better on the price. We've got to run it through the shop, at, you know, because it just came in. We've got to kind of recon it and all that stuff and, you know, change the oil and make sure everything's good. Okay. And, uh, and this was Saturday that it had come in. And, and so they said, so we're not going to be able to uh, really have a figure for you until Monday. Hmm. I thought, oh, okay. That's then, weird. Yeah, that's okay. weird. Like, I'm ready. Like, I said I was going to sell it, man. <laughs> right. Exactly. So they said, do you want to leave a deposit? It's fully refundable. And I said, sure. That gives me right of first refusal. That No problem. Yeah. Easy. Sure. Yeah. So I left him a deposit, and then we went up the street to the Subaru dealer. And the Subaru dealer's car was um, basically the, almost exactly the same car. Same year, had 10,000 more miles on it, which doesn't really bother me either way, uh, and had a dark interior. The Volvo car had a light interior. And uh, so we like we prefer light interior. It's just how we've we've learned over the years. But it's not a deal killer, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the Vol the Subaru people wanted a thousand dollars less. They, they wanted twenty thousand five hundred for it. And uh, I thought, you know, with ten thousand more miles and the wrong color, we'll just go with this one over here. It's a grand. It's not going to make yeah. a difference in a couple of years. Right. And fine. And uh, so the guy said, um, you, you know, who's a really green salesman. um, and and made a couple of really terrible mistakes, like turning his back to my wife and daughter and only talking to my son and I when he had the. Oh, the open. that's terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you yeah, know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah young, guy, young guy, young guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a horrible mistake. But but, uh, you know, it was it was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so he made a bunch of those types of mistakes. But still, they had this car there that was cheaper than the one up the street. And and he said, you know, he said to me, um, you know, w would you. You know, what would it take to do this today? Yeah. And I said, well, I really want to find out what the price is going to be on this one that Volvo has. So uh, I can't know until Monday. And he said, OK, well, I guess call me Monday. 
And hmm. like that seemed weird. Like, wouldn't he want to like, here's a guy that said he's going to buy a car exactly like this. Yeah, there is a price that will get him to buy my car. Yes. Yes, there always is. And uh, and but he let me go. In fact, I had to ask him for his card. He didn't even give me his card, but oh, he had yeah. taken my phone number, which just which was great. Sure. Yeah. So Monday comes and the Volvo dealer calls me back and says, okay, yeah, the price is 21.5. And I said, I just asked him, I said, can you move on that? They said, no. I said, fine, okay. I'll come get it today. Well, okay. it's not going to be ready today. It's going to be ready tomorrow. Huh. It sure is taking you guys a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll come get it tomorrow. And so we schedule an appointment, whatever. And, uh, and then the, the Subaru guy called me back and said, you know, did you hear from the Volvo dealer? I said, yeah. I said, you know, we're going to go with it. He says, you know, is there a price that would, that we're really eager to move this car. It's the end of the month. We're hitting, we're close to hitting our numbers. Th- this car, you know, it's got to go. And yeah. he said, so is there a price? And I said, well, you know, yes. I said, I, I'm sure there is, but you know, if you're asking me to offer one up, I, I don't want to be insulting. I'm not here to play games with you, but you'd, sure. have, you'd have to knock two grand off. We're going to have to be at 18 five. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty, I mean, that's 10% of the value. That's a, yeah. It's yeah, a, a big, big chunk. Yeah. Yep. And he said, huh? Okay. Well, you know, let me check with my manager. Call me back five minutes later. He says, we'll do 19 out the door. No fees. No, nothing. Oh, like all baked that's in. That's really good. I thought, yeah. okay. So I said, yeah, all right. I'll call you. In the, you know, I'll, I'll be there in the morning. So I called the Volvo dealer <laughs> and said, Hey, look, I really wasn't I intending this. to play this game, but yeah. here I am in the middle. Like I, like the one time I choose not to be, you know, Dave, the hard negotiator, I find myself in the best negotiating position I've ever been in in my oh, life. They should have sold you the car Friday. I, whatever <laughs> day I was it. there, yeah, yeah. they blew it. Yeah, yep. whatever it was. Yep. Because yep. we were happy with it. We were happy with yeah. the price and we would have driven it off the lot and been happy. Yep. Yeah. But, um, and so, so, you know, they said, all right, let me check with the manager. And they came back. They're like, we can drop the price $300. Oh, I'm like, dude, no. Yeah. And they were pissed. They're like, wait, you're not going to buy it. I'm like, there's a $3,000 difference between these yeah. two vehicles that right. are essentially the same. Yeah. There's 10,000 miles difference, but everything I know about Subarus, they all run to 200,000 miles anyway yeah. or more. That's right. So yeah. I don't really think this matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. So yeah, yeah. I don't know what well, the lesson is from this story, but uh, I guess well, the, well, the, power, the, the power of being able to truly being willing to walk away is is huge when negotiating. And I think they weren't they failed because they weren't listening to you. You wanted to buy the car. Yes. They could have said, OK, let's go ahead and get it all written up. We need it for a couple of days to get it clean, tested, smogged, whatever. You can pick it up on Tuesday or whatever the day was. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would have been a done deal and you wouldn't have gone and looked anywhere else. No. That's what they should have done, in my opinion. Yeah. And And they should have been. Yeah. yeah. Like why he said, but I don't know. The price might get better on Monday. I bet we can make this. You guys sell cars on Saturdays. I bet we can make this decision here. Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. If, uh, you know, obviously they don't have a hardcore closer on the uh, staff there. Uh, No, not. Neither company did, to be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, you know, that. that, (laughs) It's definitely, definitely lacking. Uh, you know, if if Ryan Stuman had been there, he would have been screaming at the guy. <laughs> take at the at deal. all of them. Yes. Take <laughs> yeah. The yeah take deal. The deal. Here's a guy that clearly <laughs> is buying a car. Yeah, like, there's no that's, question. That's funny. And both of them knew because they asked. They said, "You know, is your credit good?" And I told them both because I have a Dave, short, your credit is perfect. My credit is right. My credit is eight fifty. <laughs> yes. So I have to tell everyone that asks because. Yes. 
it will change and it will only change by going down. So I Correct. need to capitalize on this brief moment in time. Yeah. Uh, you know, so anybody that asks, I tell them my credit's 850. Like that should make you start drooling as a yeah. car salesman. <laughs> yep. 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 That is so funny, man. I know, man. Classic. <laughs> yeah. So we got this car for, uh, you know, basically probably Perfect. what we would have paid for if we bought it direct from a, uh, um, you know, from, from person to person or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. basically the price that we wound up paying for it. And we get the lifetime powertrain warranty from the Subaru, Subaru dealer and all that stuff, which is great. That's great. Yeah, man. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> it's that's like, awesome. Yeah. It's crazy, though. Very cool. Yeah. That's I, a good story. Good yeah. Story. Like I said, there's I, lessons I, I to have be a, Yeah, there is. I have a recent car story, too, that's poor customer service, but I'll save it until uh, next right, time or the time okay, after. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, cars, it's are, <laughs> cars are like the last, you know, frontier of where you can get just treated like garbage yeah know? yeah it's true so bizarre it's and so lots bizarre. of people have tried to disrupt it but i don't i'm not sure they've even done it even this was even a supposedly flat rate no negotiation needed and i still got fried you know, of crazy. course you did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. yeah we should we should have the discussion about uh we should get somebody on that can really yeah. like go deep on the discussion of how to negotiate great. a car sale yeah because there's a yeah. lot of interesting things uh um, there is yeah yeah it's just cool it's good stuff man yeah, enjoy fun. the rest of your week folks come out and uh talk and spend some time with us at the uh, facebook uh, small business support group just go to businessshow.co forward slash facebook you get redirected we'd love to have your feedback whether you love it or hate it or want to comment and help us make it better come talk with us and with all the other business owners up there i think there's almost 400 people up yeah there. it's a big it's yeah. it's doing well yeah there's good people yeah, that's great all right folks Keep living that charmed life. Have a good week. See ya. See ya.